If there's one word that's characterized cryptocurrency, it's volatility. And it's a good reason to make the case for stable coins. So what exactly is a stable coin? Why do we have them? And how do they work within the blockchain ecosystem? How will these coins make cryptocurrency more palatable for investors? Today, we're going to explore this topic as we welcome Nevin Freeman, the CEO of Reserve.org, to the show. We may be off kilter. It's the essence of being bad. But stable coins bring hope and some degree of certainty to episode number 193, wait for it, of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious, crypto serious, and those that want to be stable in the crypto world. There's a lot of instability in the world, Mr. Jokom. There is so much volatility in the crypto marketplace, Travis, and volatility is just part of the everyday vernacular for the crypto markets that never close. Mm. I was talking about more of the emotions of the instability of a lot of people on Earth, but, uh, but that's true. You're, what you said was spot on. Uh, see a counselor if your emotions are feeling unstable. You know, get get yeah. help. Don't just don't yeah. just go out there and and you know. Ree! That's no, that's these the stable coins will not help you emotionally. No, they, they not, will not. If, if you have problems, go see a doctor. <laughs> right? No, they are designed to bring stability to the cryptocurrency markets. And we're going to talk a little bit about what stable coins are. And then we are going to introduce you to Nevin Freeman, who's the CEO of Reserve.org. This is a team that wants to fulfill the original vision of Bitcoin with a stable digital global money. So we're going to get to that in a little bit. Just want to say we're glad that you're here. And please do subscribe, follow and review this show if you like what you're hearing. If you don't like what you're hearing, why are you still listening? Like, right. I mean, right now, why? You're, why? And then everyone just turned it off. Thanks a lot, Mr. Right. Joel. Tom. You That's just it. Away our seven fans. Yeah. Well, there's still my mom is listening. Maybe That's right. Stephanie. Stephanie's still listening from CCP. Yeah, we, we're glad that you you two are here, and and to the rest of you, make sure that you join the Bad Crypto community. All two of you, go to badco.in forward slash mastermind, and that will put you into the Bad Crypto Mastermind group. It's a closed, top secret, private. Well, all you got to do is you know just let us know you want to join. It's on Facebook, and also our Telegram, which is at badco.in forward slash Telegram, and, and we've kind of gotten that under control a little but too we've got some new moderators to keep the spammers and scammers out mm -hmm. well, i think part of the part of the challenge is, is like i don't know how many uh you know telegram groups i'm subscribed to now because like every one that we do an ico on uh, or a spotlight episode i i add them and then you have so many of them and then it's just like ding 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 ding. it's just like wow turn it off so mm -hmm. so i think i need to have another one where it's just the ones where i just log in maybe i just have that on my on my mobile phone just that one that way I, we could see it more because the other ones, it just gets too, it's too unruly. Well, I think that you should unsubscribe from every one of them except the bad crypto telegram. Okay. That's a good idea. That's, like that's that. all that, that's all that yeah. really matters. Screw those other guys. All those other ones. Sorry. I'm not a fan of your cryptos yeah. anymore. <laughs> well, let's say we dive in deep or at least shallow on stable coins and let's get to our feature. So what the heck 
is a stable coin because this seems to be something that we're hearing more and more about. In fact, you might say stable coins so hot right now, Mr. Travis, right? Stable coins are so hot right now. Are, are they? I don't know about stable coins, but. It's a damn Hansel. He's so hot right now. That's true. Hansel's yeah. really hot. Hansel's always hot. He's so very hot. Yes, stable coins are definitely the the talk. And we've got some great links for you in the show notes. We're going to go over some of this before we get to our interview. But if you go to badco.in forward slash 193, you'll be able to see uh, in the show notes what this is. So, you know, what is a stable coin? Basically, it's a crypto that's price is linked to a real world asset. And in theory, it could be linked to anything, but we're usually talking about the dollar or the euro. Yeah, that's true. And there's right now there's over 50 different projects in development. And there's a lot of stuff that's going on with these stable coins because, you know, if you want to, a lot of times in crypto, right, they're all pegged to Bitcoin. So like say you you have some serious gains and you're like in, in some crypto and you're like, all right, then you sell that crypto. You normally get that crypto in Bitcoin, and then what happens if the price of Bitcoin goes from twenty thousand dollars down to seven or six thousand dollars? Well, you just lost a whole bunch of your of your money, right? Mm-hmm. So, a stablecoin is pegged to real world assets such as gold or the euro or the dollar or whatever, and they enable that. Like Tether, you've heard of Tether. Tether is, is pegged to a dollar. It's a dollar. No matter what, sometimes it's a dollar one, sometimes it's ninety-seven cents. It's weird. I don't know. I don't fully understand how it does that, but it's a it's a great way to sort of it's a it's a storage haven for your potential crypto gains. And so now there are I was at, there's over fifty of them in development right now. Hmm. Well, there, there's also a couple different kinds of stable coins. There's reserve-backed coins and algorithmic coins. So the reserve-backed coin is kind of what you were talking about. They're like Tether. It's, it, it functions kind of like paper money used to be when it was backed by the gold standard. You know, cash used to be uh, backed by gold reserves in the central bank. And in the same way, reserve-backed stable coins are backed by the currencies that they are pegged to. So, you know, Tether, the U.S. dollar coin, some of these others, tokenized dollars. USD, a few of the other ones, and then also reserve.org, which is one that we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk to the CEO of that here shortly. Yeah, and the other kind of stablecoin is not backed by reserve, but is instead um, controlled by Al Gore and his rhythm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he could dance. Really good at dancing, and um, and so that's really fancy. So I guess you know, I guess way to say that is that they use software to try to match supply with demand and to try to maintain a peg to something like the U.S. dollar and the algorithm. As it says here. Um, but Garrick Hillman, the head of research at Blockchain, the company Blockchain, not a blockchain, but the the company called Blockchain. As demand for an algorithmic stablecoin increases, supply has to increase to make sure that there's not an appreciation in the value of the stablecoin. At the same time, as the value decreases, there needs to be a mechanism by which the supply can be reduced again to try and bring the price of the stablecoin back to the peg price. So if it's a dollar... You want it to stay a dollar, and then if people sell a whole bunch of Bitcoin and they put it in in that stable coin, they have to increase the amount of stable coins to match it so it's $1 each. And then if people sell a bunch of their 
their get rid of a bunch of their their stable coins and put it into another crypto, then they need to decrease the supply. So that algorithm helps them sort of maintain that pegged price. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same gentleman uh, that you quoted there, Heilman, uh, says that you know we're they're doing these so that we can find stability he says for millions of individuals tens of millions in our view as well as institutions the volatility of crypto assets we saw last year really is keeping a number of people on the sidelines of the crypto movement stable coins can address that and enable a number of use cases that bitcoin or ether or other more volatile cryptocurrencies are suboptimal for things like insurance so let's talk about a little bit travis about some of the things that stable coins are used for well the biggest one there mr joel com is what i said is that if you want to trade out of a crypto and you want to like a lot of times there's there's because it says it's so volatile you want to be able to get out of a coin and then be able to store that money but not necessarily take that money out of the market you don't necessarily want to send that money back to your bank account like you could sell the bitcoin for dollars but then send it back to your bank account, which is a big, huge taxable event, right? Uh, or you want to maybe store your, your money in uh, the stablecoin, which is also, I believe, a taxable event. Anything when you're trading cryptos is a taxable event. But the value of that money supply is not going to drop. So if you trade Ethereum, you say, hey, Ethereum's $1,000, and boom, you, you trade it out for Bitcoin, and the price of Bitcoin goes down. Well, then all of your crypto value just went down. We saw that tremendously in you know, earlier this year, which was, was very sad. We like, I mean, I would trade out of something like, yeah, I just had a huge gain. And then the price of Bitcoin was, was tanking. And so, you know, there's also many exchanges can't accept dollar or euro deposits, right? So, you know, maybe you want to get into the crypto or you want to get into an exchange, but they're only going to accept some of these stable coins. That's a pretty good solution for that. Yeah, so liquidity is really essential. And according to this article in businessinsider.com, Tether is the second most actively traded crypto, approximately 60% of Bitcoin's daily trading volume, at least at the time that uh, that this was written. Um, as of this article, there was 57 stable coins in development and 23 already live. And, and basically, you know, people are going, how do we build this better? Just like all you know, various tokens and cryptocurrencies. How do we make this better? And so the reason we're seeing so many of these stable coins pop up is because they want to make sure that they don't face the uh, the criticism that Tether has faced. You know, their auditing standards, the claims of manipulation, um, how opaque their, you know, the corporation is, like what's really going on behind the scenes is they're really dollars to back all this has has been a question for a long time so uh you know you've got a lot of companies like the the winklevi or you know for gemini are making their own stable coin you know the uh, we just heard about goldman sachs developing the fed coin to be a stable coin and so we're going to see a lot more of these and of course in the end i think there's only a place for a handful to win mm. gemini and the winklevi Gemini and the Winklevi. You guys can read more about this. It's on the, again, the show notes, badco.in forward slash 193. There's also a great article on Forbes by Sherman Lee uh, titled Explaining Stablecoins, the Holy Grail of Cryptocurrency. And you can read about that there. I think one of the best ways to do this, Travis, is to go right to the horse's mouth and mm-hmm. hear what a developer of a stablecoin is doing in the yeah, space. Yeah, before we do that real quick, there's a really great graphic on the Business Insider uh, article 
that we've kind of been covering. And uh, so Tether popped out in 2014, but also BitUSD. That's a BitShares thing. So, so you know, BitShares is sort of set up like stable coins. There's BitUSD. There's the BitEuro, BitGold, all those other ones. Uh, BitPay came out in 2015 and Steemit uh, 2015, 2016. Then you also saw Hello Gold pop out in 2017, AA Reserve, Static Coin. Now we have Paxos, Gemini, uh, True USD, Basis, Circle, uh, and the other ones that are popping up, a bunch of other ones. So, you know, stable coins are, they're here to stay. And, uh, you know, they're not going to be, they're not the coin that's going to go to the moon because that's the whole object of it is to not go to the moon, keep it at a stable price. That's why they're called stable coins. And I agree. Let's go chat with the uh, the founder of Reserve right now. There's been a whole lot of talk about stable coins, coins that are pegged to a dollar and don't, uh, aren't affected by the tides and turns of crazy cryptoness. You know, Tether is the, the most popular alleged stable coin, and we've interviewed a number of people that are working with stable coins on the show. And we're going to dig deeper into, into uh, that today as we welcome the CEO of Reserve, a stable digital global money. His name is Nevin Freeman. And let's uh, find out more. Welcome to Bad Crypto, Nevin. Yeah, thanks for having me. We are happy that you're here, and let's talk about stable coins. Why don't we define it uh, to begin with here? What is a stable coin? Uh, yeah, so a stable coin really is just meant to be a crypto asset that has a stable purchasing power. And I say purchasing power rather than price because ultimately the thing that we're trying to optimize for is giving people the ability to uh, uh, sort of store value in a stable way and uh, and make purchases uh, where they can sort of reliably predict how much of something they'll be able to purchase. And so, you know, it's common to refer to a stable coin as a crypto asset that has a stable price in terms of some other currency, um, usually some other fiat currency. And that usually is a very good proxy if you're comparing to some other uh, fiat currency that remains relatively stable in purchasing power itself. But in the world where fiat currencies end up being less stable in purchasing power than they are today, um, that wouldn't be a perfect proxy. And so uh, sort of philosophically, we want something that itself has a stable purchasing power. Yeah, I don't know if you knew this or not, but we have, uh, Nevin, we, when we set up Bad Crypto, we had our own uh, crypto, Bad Coin, and it's unstable. It's emotionally <laughs> unstable. And... Uh, <laughs> It needs help. It needs help. Um, so it, it needs a hug. Hug my coin. It needs a hug. It does. So, so tell us then about about your stable coin. How does it work? And is it pegged to like a U.S. dollar? Is it pegged to different currencies? How exactly is your stable coin stabilized? Yep. So our vision in the long term is um, actually to have it be independently stable, not pegged to the U.S. dollar or any other fiat currency. And I can explain a bit about how that works as we talk about it. It gets it gets a little bit nuanced. Um, but the, the short version is that it will be backed by a really diversified portfolio of different assets, including some crypto assets, some real world assets, uh, maybe even some securities. And the idea is that eventually you can get a portfolio that is itself relatively stable in 
uh, in sort of real value, and then have a token that represents a fractional ownership of that that portfolio of assets, such that then you have this token that is tradable and holdable like a normal crypto asset and has all those benefits, uh, but then itself has a stable value. But that's not doable today. You can't you can't build something like that today because there aren't enough tokens. Uh, sort of of different asset classes on the blockchain. As everyone knows, the prices tend to go up and down altogether. And there are a few tokenized real world assets, but not very many. And so you can't really get that diversification. And so we can't build that right now. And so Reserve starts off as a sort of different type of protocol um, that can then smoothly transition into that independently stable uh, portfolio. And so the way that it works is at the beginning, it is pegged to the U.S. dollar, um, but it's not pegged via holding U.S. dollars. So we actually still, at the beginning, hold a portfolio of other crypto assets, including some uh, pure crypto assets like Ether and some tokenized real-world assets. Um, we're excited about uh, TrueUSD, which is tokenized dollars, and also Digix, which is tokenized gold, as examples. And the, the value um, of, of those tokens held in a smart contract that we call the vault is what's used to implement uh, the exchange rate peg between the US dollar and the reserve token. And just to sort of round out the explanation a little bit, our system has two tokens in it. So there's the reserve, which is our stable coin, and the reserve share, which is a secondary token in the system. And the, the reserve share is interesting. The, the purpose of it, the reason why it exists in the system is so that there is a way to raise capital so that that vault smart contract can be overcapitalized at the beginning. And you need that smart contract to be overcapitalized rather than just sort of one-to-one -one backing the reserve token because inherently the assets that it's holding right now are going to be somewhat volatile um, or they're going to come with some risk of default. In our system, we start off with capitalization that's going to be uh, maybe something like 300%. Um, the exact number will depend on the portfolio we select. And that makes it so that fluctuation in the value of those assets doesn't stop the protocol from being able to fully back the reserve token. And so you get the situation that's a little bit like Tether in that people can take their tokens and redeem them uh, for something else. But instead of directly redeeming them for dollars, they can redeem them with the vault um, for a dollar worth of these other crypto assets. And there's a whole lot of nuances as to how this works. I'd be happy to get into the details if you guys want to go there, but that's kind of the, the big picture. So we start off pegged to the dollar, and then over the course of the time, uh, that, that vault portfolio can become more diversified. It can switch from being massively overcapitalized to much closer to one-to-one. -one. And then in the limit, you can actually, once it's stable enough, sort of stop paying attention to the dollar-denominated price of the reserve token and just have a token that's independently stable because of its redeemability for that portfolio of assets. Mm. Well, and your project is getting attention. I mean, you've got Peter Thiel um, and Coinbase and, and a number of others that are backing this. Yep, yep. Yeah, we're super excited uh, for all of the investors that have decided to help us make this a reality. We spent a fair amount of time going around and uh, bringing on investors that we felt were strategically relevant. Uh, and that's been quite helpful um, to us getting this off the ground. Great stuff. So so tell us the, right now about your technology, right? Because it seems to me that, you know, it's an interesting project you're working on. It's, it's, it's one that needs to be solved, right? Because there's not a whole lot of trust in Tether because we don't know how, if it's backed by dollars or not. Having stable coins is a valuable thing because, you know, if I want to trade out, like, 
when Bitcoin was twenty thousand dollars, it sure would have been nice to trade out to a stable coin and and then hold on to my twenty thousand dollars worth of value while while Bitcoin tanked, right? Uh, some people did sell, right? Obviously, and, and some did not. But so having having a stable coin now, you know, what are some of the what are some of the things that um, the, the the key benefits that your stable coin is going to bring? Do you think over some of the other ones that are already here? Yeah, that's a good question. So the way we see it, um, there's sort of everyone likes to categorize stable coins, and and we we do too. And we have a slightly different categorization that's useful to talk about in order to to sort of talk about why we did it this way uh, rather than other ways. So I think the easiest to understand category um, is the centralized uh, collateral backed, where uh, and, and I'll, let me put it a different way. It's sort of um, centralized uh, external asset backed. Um, and so you're taking some asset class that's external to your system, that there's already some consensus about the value of that asset class, like gold or dollars, and um, holding that you know, in a bank account or in a vault and, and redeeming so that you can kind of borrow this, the stability, the consensus about the value of that um, by kind of making your token just a virtual version of that other asset. And um, we've thought about this approach a fair amount. And we think that it's actually a really sort of sound approach if you do it right in, in the legal sense um, in the short term. And then we have a lot of questions about it in the long term. And that's kind of why we decided not to do it ourselves. So in particular, we think that there's sort of two ways a system like that can turn out in the long term. Either the system can be set up in such a way where uh, in order to get a key that is allowed to hold the tokens at all, not just to create the tokens or redeem the tokens, but just in order to hold them at all, um, the user has to go through a KYC process. And the point of that KYC process is to produce a whitelist where the issuer then is able to kind of keep track of exactly who is holding how much money denominated in that token. And the benefit of that is that it allows that, that company to, you know, maybe upon subpoena from a government, um, hand over that information. And so then governments can use that um, to sort of track uh, the flows of money and, and in the case of criminal activity, uh, sort of detect criminals. And so that's a scenario where we think banks will be willing to be in that business because um, they can sort of prove that there's no way that money can move around in a way that they can't detect. And so um, they'll be able to persuade their governments to allow them to stay in that business. And the downside of that approach is, is just that it sort of limits access to the system. So we think that there are, you know, a lot of people in the world who don't have access to the banking system. And in a lot of cases, that's, we think, because they don't have a government-issued ID number. And if you don't have that government-issued ID number, well, essentially, this the system we're talking about is kind of just like a slightly more open bank, but you still have to go through the same process you would need to to open up a bank account in order to get one of those keys. And so it doesn't really provide that level of financial inclusion to that whole population. But then in addition to those people, we think that there are also just a lot of, a lot of businesses and people in the world who would prefer a bit more privacy than that, um, than having to go through the KYC process. And so if there is a way to do this that, that doesn't require um, that KYC approach, we think that that will be more appealing um, to those parts of, of uh, the populations. Then the other way that it can work is uh, to... Uh, to basically not require KYC. And in that scenario, then you preserve these properties of openness. Um, so it's a benefit of that. But then the drawback is that 
banks are either going to not want to hold the assets because they don't want to be in that business, or if they're somewhat more legally aggressive banking institutions, maybe they'll want to hold the assets, but they won't want it to be known that they're holding those assets. Because if it were known, then maybe their governments would find them or shut them down or something. So, so Nevin, so, how, do you, how do you keep from um, going – I'm looking here at NewBits, for example. NewBits was a stable coin that came out in early 2015. Uh, the symbol was USNBT, and um, it – you know, they stabilized – for a bit and then they took this huge dip in 2016 stabilized again and now a new bit is worth 11 cents you know so where where did that go wrong and how do you safeguard from that happening yeah so we actually we wrote a bit about what happened to new bits on our blog um our research team did so if people are curious for the full story feel free to check it out um you can get to the blog at reserve.org but the the basic answer is that new bits maintained a reserve in Bitcoin. Um, and uh, that's obviously a very volatile asset. Um, and so if, you're, if your backing isn't something that's highly volatile and the value of that goes down, um, then you can end up in a scenario where you simply don't have enough capital to back the token. And so that, you know, the short answer is they ended up with not nearly enough capital in reserve because of that. And it's... Um, so that, that's kind of a different cause of the same sort of scenario that also happens with small countries from time to time, where they don't have enough capital in their basically um, central bank account or, or currency board account um, to back their currency, um, to, to peg it to something else. And the market can see that. And so if those reserves are exhausted, then there's just no way uh, to, to repurchase tokens or units of your local currency um, in order to maintain a pegged price. And, and so I guess you actually asked, the way that we prevent that, uh, there's two pieces. Um, so piece number one is holding collateral that will almost never depreciate to the point that we have one less than one-to-one -one backing. And I say almost never because you really can never be sure that it would be never. You know, markets are sometimes volatile. And so if you almost never go below one-to-one, -one, then all those cases where you haven't gone below one-to-one, -one, well, then you have solid backing. And you do that by just using collateral types um, that are much less volatile than Bitcoin. But then in the cases where you do go below one-to-one -one backing, uh, at least the way the reserve protocol works, is that um, we maintain convertibility, um, but we don't maintain parity. And what that means is that, let's say that our, you know, our token is backed and pegged to the dollar, and we have uh, only, uh, let's say, 70% of the capital we would need held in our vault, uh, because the, the price of all these tokens has gone down very quickly for some reason. Well, then in that scenario, people would be allowed to convert, but only 70 cents per token in a, instead of a dollar per token. And there's a couple of reasons for that. So one is that uh, we just don't want to create a scenario where there's a dynamic, uh, there's a run on the bank dynamic. You don't want it to be that the people who convert out the soonest get their money and everyone else doesn't because then everyone rushes to convert out. We also just philosophically don't want to produce a situation where some people are left holding nothing um, and other people got their dollar. The other reason is that because the currency is backed by these external assets, that derive their value from a market consensus that's unrelated to reserve, the stablecoin, um, what that means is that even if we temporarily devalue the pegged currency, 
that doesn't further decrease the value of the assets that we've held in reserve in like a negative downward spiral of confidence, which is what happens in all the stablecoin designs where we're just using internal tokens for collateral instead of using external asset classes. And so because of that difference, that means that, you know, if we're holding a bunch of tokenized gold and dollars and, and you know, let's say bonds and equities and so on, those are likely to reappreciate just like, you know, asset classes tend to bounce back even after a major financial crisis. And so what that means is even if we have to devalue the currency temporarily, you can expect it to reliably go back to par because of the fact that those assets will appreciate over the course of time. Whereas if, it, if we were just backing it with, like, directly with a secondary token in our system, then people could come to believe that the whole thing was going to unwind and that secondary token really didn't have any value. And you could have sort of uh, a situation where, um, where you, you actually lose confidence. So much to consider when you're thinking about these stable coins. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah, that's right. So tell us about your team then, right? So, so normally when we're talking to somebody who's doing a project like this, this is on one of our spotlight shows. And this right here is because you got such a cool backing behind you and your team and your advisory group. And so I wanted you to talk about that because you got some pretty good people on the team, it sounds like. Yeah, we have an amazing team. Um, so we have, I think, uh, 22 people at this point. And the, the origin of the, the original 10 or so people on the team is that we've been part of this company builder um, in the Bay Area for the past several years. And so Company Builder is kind of a group that's a bit like an incubator, but you recruit the entrepreneurs in advance and then periodically spin off projects. And it's, you know, a Company Builder itself is already kind of an abnormal thing. We're sort of abnormal even within that category in that we have a really intense focus on uh, training the people um, and, and teaching them specific ways of thinking uh, pretty rigorously. And so I think that our ability as a team to very carefully think through all these problems and kind of war game out all these scenarios and um, go into this new field and come up with a, a technological solution that makes sense is kind of fundamentally a product of the fact that uh, I and my co-founders of the company builder over the past five years have been carefully recruiting. So we've looked through thousands and thousands of people to find um, the 45 that are a part of it. How come, how so, come you weren't contacted? Mr. Joel Kamala? I'm so sad. Amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm stable. Well, we, we can talk after the show. I'm most stable. Hey, so it's nice to have you on the show. I guess the show's over now. <laughs> we scoured the world yeah. and, and, and didn't want to talk to you guys so <laughs> awkward well if we, we need to add sense of humor to our criteria and then then we'll then you, you guys will show up at the top <laughs> so yeah so that's kind of the genesis and then we've been recruiting you know in the crypto industry and elsewhere since then. Um, and, and so about half of our team is technical, about half of them are non-technical, working on marketing and legal and so on. Um, and uh, yeah, we're headquartered on Lake Merritt in, uh, in Oakland, California. In addition to coming out of this company builder, a lot of us come out of this movement called the Effective Altruism Movement. So you know, we've been spending a lot of time over the past many years trying to think about what are the ways that we can actually usefully improve the world uh, we kind of think that a lot of normal charity doesn't really work and isn't really very helpful, isn't really very useful. Um, and so, you know, some people on the team have spent time looking at like which charities in particular are actually worth donating to and trying to raise large amounts of money for them. Uh, we've done some like movement building, we're on a conference series in the effective altruism space. Um, and then some people are concerned with even further out there things. Like I personally uh, am 
one of those people who's quite concerned about the future of artificial intelligence and what that could mean for the world. And so, um, you know, we look at reserve, you know, we, we, we have both a profit motive. We want to make a lot of money. We want to use that money to, to do a bunch of ambitious projects that we um, have set our sights on in the future. Um, and then we also have gotten fairly obsessed with the direct impact of what this, what this could cause. Um, and so the .org choice was um, a way of what, you know, sort of conveying that, that that is how we feel about it. We don't really see this as a normal company. We see it as a project that has kind of both profit and ideological motives. And if I could talk about that for a minute, that I think that we've kind of decided that the most important and most um, sort of immediate application of blockchain technology is still in currency. And in particular, um, bringing stable currencies uh, to parts of the world where they don't have access to one right now. Um, and so there are, there are something like 16 countries with 20% or higher inflation. And there's, so there's a lot of talk about the places where there's hyperinflation, uh, but there are many places where it's not completely out of control, but it's still quite bad. It's kind of, you know, it's like having to pay like a 20 or 30 or 40 or 50% tax on all of your money every year. And in some, some areas, um, it's legal to, to get a hold of other uh, major fiat currencies that are more stable. And in some areas, it's not. And so people are sometimes just subject to a situation where they have no way to stably store their savings. And we think that cryptocurrencies that are stable can really change that. Um, and we think that that's a pretty big deal. Um, so, you know, we look at, we're pragmatists. We also look at a bunch of applications inside of the crypto space um, that are perhaps a little bit easier to get going on. But we do have our sites directly set on uh, providing a stable store of value to these people in inflationary economies around the world. Um, and that's part of what keeps the people on this project uh, really excited about it. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I got I to gotta commend you on this. I mean, you've got teams of, you know, former founders and developers from Google and all types of different people on your team, as well as members of of the original PayPal group uh, with, with, uh, with, with Teal there. So, you know what? I think it's awesome. Congratulations and best of luck on that project, man. I'm I'm excited about it. I think you got a hell of a great name too. Reserve? Are you serious? That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Just, and you got federal out of there finally. I I could deal with the company reserve. Get rid of the federal part. Of that. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve judgment. <laughs> and actually having yeah. backed by stuff. Actually having money backed by something. This is an amazing concept. I, I think so all the better thought? that his last name is Freeman. Freeman, you know, free of the Federal Reserve. Thanks, Nevin. True. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for having me. There it is. Thank you, Nevin, from Reserve. It's going to be interesting to see which of these stable coins are indeed stable and do continue to um, command a market share. That's true. Very exciting stuff. I mean, the world of crypto is rapidly changing, and that's what Bad Crypto is here for you guys to help you guys navigate the space, bringing you guys some of the top thought leaders that are doing epic stuff in the space. And uh, another, another great episode. Or I guess another bad episode in the in the can, Mr. Joel Comp. <laughs> you just want to pat us on the back. Well, that was another great show that we just did right there. That was oh, yeah, right. we do the well, best shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of those things, you know what? You don't ever think that what you're doing is truly bad, right? If it's so, then we probably need to do something else.
No, we, we love doing this. If you want to do more stablecoin research, there's uh, Hacker Noon has uh, all of their articles. You can look for stablecoins, and we've got a handy-dandy link in the show notes for you on that. Before we leave you today, I'm going to re- read you a couple reviews that have come in recently. The first one from Bl- uh, Buck Blutarski, who gave us a five-star review, said, Best podcast on crypto. Three reasons to – three le- – <sighs> That's not one of the reasons because I can speak. Three reasons to listen to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Number one, good source for relevant crypto news. Number two, good source for exposure to a a wide range of coins and projects. Number three, highly entertaining banter and interaction between the two hosts. This podcast has substance and personality, both two in one. Thanks, Buck. That's really nice. Thank you, Mr. Buck. What about the (laughs) – what about the one? There was one that said that we used to be good, and then we're yeah. not. I don't even know where's that one. He goes, "It's like I used to love the show, not anymore." Yeah, uh, that's they okay. We they suck. Yeah. They suck. The one here's one goes dead to me. Five star review. Uh, I absolutely. I, I, read, I hear the top. The, I hear that that headline, and I'm thinking this isn't going to go well. <laughs> this isn't going to go well to me, and uh, it always brings a smile to my face and a frown when I am out of episodes. Today, or it's like I tried to get my best friend to listen. He said he didn't like the show, and I told him, "You're dead to me." <laughs> but I'm crypto blockheads. Very nice, Iron Man ninety one eighty five. Well, let's get it. You. I do not love your best friend. Yeah, let's get it straight. It's not crypto blockheads. It's either crypto clowns or blockchain blockheads. You need to have the alliteration for it to work. That's true. Otherwise, your friend, and your best friend is a douche. <laughs> is alliteration. Uh, well, you know, keep keep evangelizing your friends in the crypto space. And, and if they're not in the crypto, tell them to listen to something. Tell them to dig in. Start paying attention to Bitcoin, blockchain, cryptocurrency, because it's going to change their world. And if you feel like telling them about the Bad Crypto Podcast, then we'd appreciate that. If they ask you, why should I listen to the show? Just tell them that you want them to stay bad. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. Then they'll look at you all crazy and stuff and go, what? And you'll be like, and then you can go, and you'll be like, just listen to the show. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Stay bad. Well, look, if I try to explain it to you, it's going to be hard. And that's really not that hard. This is the bad crypto podcast. And they say, stay bad at the end. That's what they say. Stay bad. Who's bad?